Well, today we're going to have fun, so to speak. The, um, we're going to jump into a different Gemara, totally different than anything we've been learning recently. Um, that's one of the challenges of the Babylonian Gemara. Um, it's called Bavol. The word Bavol also means a mix. And we've always discovered that, that we don't always stay on the same subject. And uh, sometimes we just drop into a different Gemara, a totally different place. Um, it could be that's a preparation for exile, for Gullus. Like, you know, when we were in Eretz Yisrael, everything was organized and regular and expected. But um, when you get to Gullus, you have to be ready for whatever it throws at you. And uh, you just all of a sudden, uh, that's uh, the Babylonian Gemara is like that. So today, uh, all of a sudden, we're going to uh, find ourselves in a, uh, what they call a Kudshim Gemara a Gemara that deals with the laws of sacrifices, uh, which a big part of being a Nazar is a sacrifice, but it's an area that we have not really discussed lately, and in another three years, we're really going to get into it when we do Zvachim and Menachos. Uh, um, I always find them humbling because they all of a sudden we have all these other issues that we have to review and discover and get back into to really understand it well. Uh, but we'll get a, a superficial understanding of what's going on. Uh, the problem here was that the woman dedicated these offerings uh, for her nazar. She, she intended to go through with it. And uh, then her husband uh, rained on her parade and said, no, no way, Jose, he, he knocked out her naziris. But when you dedicate money to uh, offerings, you can't uh, just undo it. Uh, those were dedicated. We had the discussion, was it her money? She had private funds. Um, we talked about her lunch money, so to speak. There was a view that she has a food allowance and she could uh, skimp on the food allowance and save money on the side. Um, there's another view that um, it's talking about where she earns more than her food allowance, so she keeps the extra. There are all kinds of arrangements where a wife could have some side money. So this, these offerings were dedicated now, some people would only become a Nazar if they had a way out. That's a common rule in the Gemara. Never get yourself into something that you don't have the way out. Um, they make a joke, but everybody makes the same joke, that you always learn Gittin before Kedushin, that you always learn how to get out of a marriage before you learn how to get in a marriage. I, I don't know why they tell that to young kids, that, but it's always learned that way. Um, but uh, the idea also, when you uh, start in the Zerus, that you should be able to finish... Um, and uh, you're only able to finish Naziris if you bring your offerings. So the, the woman set aside these offerings, and then her husband put the kabash on the, on the um, Naziris. So now the question is what to do with all these offerings. So it's a little easier if they weren't actual offerings, it was just money set aside. So... Um, and uh, the problem, though, also is that we have the whole gamut of offerings because the Nazar brings three different types. So we have three different funds, and offerings are nuanced. Um, we, because we are just not so familiar with them, we all say karbonos, but they're very different, uh, the types of offerings and the nature of offerings. Um, we had before the shlamim offering is really, uh, very little of it gets offered, it's, we're offering ourselves, we're celebrating with Hashem, and, and it's really ours, the Shlamim. Whereas the Ola is all burnt. That's like a total gift. That's totally to Hashem. Each one has its own unique properties. So 
the last, uh, we're going to start on the last line in 24b. Hayulomos stumim. If there was money that was stum, uh, uh, stum means stam, means undesignated. Uh, Meforish means spe- specified. Uh, the word meforshim means people that specify, that get into the nitty gritty. But hayulomos stumim, so we said that if the money was not yet designated, uh, for exactly which of the three types of Nazar offerings. So, Yipul and Nedava. You can use that. Uh, I usually translate that as put that in the Pushka, but um, the Nedava was, they, uh, they, uh, there was the idea that um, you, the, it doesn't look nice if the Beis HaMikdosh, if the Mizbeach would be empty, uh, meaning that uh, people want to connect to Hashem and bring offerings, but there's a natural, for, there's a psychology that certain times people just aren't bringing offerings. So they had a fund where they would bring offerings to keep the Mizbeach, uh, to keep the light on for you, so to speak, the Motel 6, that whenever you got there, there was always something burning. There was always something cooking. Uh, the Mizbeach always had, um, and that was the Nedava. And they had a fund. So this Pushka fund of these offerings that can't be brought, the perfect thing to do with them is to put them in the Nedava fund, and you can uh, just use that when nobody the nobody's bringing any offerings. Uh, you have that with restaurants. There's always this spooky hour when you get there, and it's in between lunch and supper, and nobody's eating. And so it's a uh, um, so uh, that's what they had the Nedava. So we learned that you're allowed to do that. So now the Gemara we're beginning on the top of Chaf Hey Bahalo Deme Chatos Behen. The confusing part here is that some offerings are somewhat generic uh, and can go uh, be brought for a goodwill, you know, kind of thing, get close to Hashem. They're very uh, somewhat generic. Um, and again, the prayer is like that too. We have generic prayers. Oh, thanks, Hashem. Good to be alive, you know. And then we have very specific uh, prayers that we say. And korbanos are like that. And the most specific type we had was a chatos, a sin offering. And we said once you've designated it that a person uh, did uh, rebelled against Hashem and he made certain mistakes, you can't be nebulous about that. You have to be very specific. You have to know what you did wrong and you have to want to fix it. And the offering that's dedicated will remove that mistake and the assumption is that you, the reason it's, uh, I'm saying this on my own, but the part of it is that um, if you're serious about not doing it again, you got to know exactly what you did wrong and what you plan to do different. And so the chatos really can't, has to be specific. It's, very spe- it's a very specific offering for this sin and this mistake. And uh, uh, the problem now is that you can't reprogram it. So how could this money that was set aside for a chatos offering, we understand how the other things can go in the in the generic fund, but how in the world does the chatos money that's part of that money now, even though it wasn't designated a third of it, or I don't know exactly how, um, you know, you have this bundle of money that's set aside to buy offerings. How do you figure out how much do you pay for each one? Uh, did they have an amount? Did they certain off? That's that we'll get to, but. Uh, the question, though, is the sin offering part of that money, you should not be able to reprogram. So how do we allow you to uh, just put that money in the Nadova? What happened to the Chatos money?
Now, this is so serious, chatos money, that if you actually had an offering that was dedicated as a chatos, and then, let's say, the person died, or it got lost and he brought another one, you can't do anything with it. And even though, in general, we're into recycling, we're into reusing, we don't like to waste, that's a Torah concept, we don't waste things. But the chatos is the one thing that we just let the animal die. It's like a total waste. Um, some, uh, we had someone who had real trouble because it, des- it described, the we don't like killing something that's a holy cow with our hands, so we just not feed it. That's the easiest way. But somebody felt that that's cruel. Um, I'm not saying I didn't understand them, but he had a... I, there are a lot of things about offerings we don't understand. If you don't understand it, just don't go there. Hopefully... You know, there are so many things we have to ask Eliyahu. You'll ask him how, you know, why they do that with that offering, right? But, uh, but the chatos is a very uh, serious thing, and we have no solution to it other than to let it die. Uh, it can't, we can't do anything with it. Um, some of it re- represents the idea of a sin, that it's like a total waste, that it's something that uh, it, it can't, it can't be totally fixed or whatever that... But either way, we have this very strong halakha that a chatos that can't be brought for its original purpose, it just has to be left to die. It's stuck. So how do we reprogram these chatos funds? They're included. So uh, Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, this is a great answer. It's, uh, that's the way it is. Halakha hibanazah, it's halakha Moshe b'sinai. You hear that answer, it means uh, we had certain rules that were given to us from Moshe Rabbeinu, and um, that's what it is. You know, it's, uh, those are the rules that uh, we're allowed to reprogram those funds. That's halacha hiba nazir. Yeah. Isn't, wouldn't that be because, as we said before, that uh, there no longer was a nazirus? If a husband is able to be made for it, there never was a nazirus, so that mm-hmm. korban was not locked into that lane of being a chattas. It once was, but when the husband removes it, that's the power that he was granted by a Kaddish Baruch Hu in the Torah, that once mm-hmm. he does that, he removes the, that from being a chattas. So it once was, and now the Torah gave him that power, and no longer is. So, so it's pretty mm-hmm. So he fixes her. He can unnuzzer her, but he can't unnuzzer her, her hektish. She took her animal and dedicated it for another Corbin. He doesn't make for that. He doesn't undo that. He's but it's a, like a domino effect. He, he's made for her nether, and then anything that was connected to the nether disappeared. So like sometimes we, we've even had some, uh, some uh, previous Gemaras where there was a case where uh, there was a young woman who had relations, and the marriage was broken up, and then it's considered as though she wasn't married. And though, even though she had relations with her husband, she's... Uh, free and clear, could even marry Cohen because she didn't have, uh, it wasn't considered as though it was relations. So here it's not considered as though it was Nazirus, and anything that was connected to the Nazirus disappears. So she made a vow that she'll be a Nazir. So the husband has control over that vow. He, can re- he, he has the right to revoke that. He has the right to say, you, a wife can, is only part of a, of a family, and she can't make a commitment that affects him without his consent. And so he's removed that vow. And we had a question, does he remove it, right, does it retroactively, or, the, or does he remove it from when he finds out about it? But that's only the vow that she um, made when she said that she would be a Nazar. But separate from that vow, she took her money, she took her lunch money, and she said, I hereby dedicate this lunch money as a Nazar fund. He can't undo that vow. 
he can't undo that hektish. He, he has no control over her money. This is her separate fund. So, but according to Rabbi Yochanan, she can. She can. Halacha is halacha Moshe Messina. No, 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 no. The halacha is that we're allowed to put it in the pushka, but it's you can't unhectish it. This, uh, it's one, in other words, the, the vow that he's undoing, she made herself holy, and he's saying, no, 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 honey, that's, uh, he's, he's undoing her vow to be a nuzzer. But when she took her private money and she said, I'm putting this money aside to pay for nuzzer offerings, uh, so even though now they're superfluous because she's not a nuzzer, she can't use them, but that money was hers, to, and he has no control over that. So... Uh, even though the, the reason that she did it was because she thought she was a Nuzzer, but at the end of the day, this was her money that she spent. It's like she got a new outfit to be a Nuzzer or something. He has no, she's, you know, that was her money, so he, um, he, can't do, he can't undo it. So now the question is, some of that money was for a sin offering, and sin offerings are not recyclable. They're not, they, they're, you're really stuck. So how did we say that you just take the funds and recycle them if you have sin offering? The other offerings were willing, even the other offerings, it's not so simple. But the Gemara is asking, it has chatos money in there, so how is it? So Rabbi Yochanan's answer was that we had a rule, well, even though normally if it had actually been a sin offering, we can't recycle, and by other offerings you can't, it's a special halacha and nazar that you could. That's what Rabbi Yochanan said. It's an exception to the rule. Talacha Moshe Misinai. We don't know why. We don't question. It was handed down that we got that rule. That's answer number one. Halacha Hiba Nasser. That's what. Now the word halacha. The the, the, the Mephorshim here usually say that that's uh, that that means halacha Moshe Misinai. Reish Lakish. Uh, he said no. He said we actually have a, a a pasuk that hints to us that you can use these funds even though some sin offering money is in, is in them. Um, you could hear it a little more, that when you've actually dedicated an animal, maybe you can't reprogram it. But money is still hasn't gone that far. It hasn't, uh, even though it's dedicated for a purpose, it's, you could hear that it, maybe you're allowed to uh, use it for a similar purpose. Reish Lukas says, L'kol nidreim, l'kol nidvosam, Torah omra, moser neder Money that was made for a promise uh, can be recycled. In other words, leftover money. Now, th- this is a general problem that you set aside money for offerings, and sometimes you get a good deal. You always set aside a mo- little more just in case things are expensive, and you want to make sure you can afford it. But what if you get there? It, I, it'd be very common to have a little leftover. What do you do with it? So the, specifically the, here, the Torah says that you can take the leftover monies, even though originally they were dedicated for a, a very specific type of offering, but they're leftovers, so you can use them linaduf. So we have a machlokas here. What do you do? Uh, how do we know you can use these leftover funds where normally you can't use leftover sin offerings? So answer number one is halacha Moshe Answer number two is that it's uh, hinted to, it's a halacha in the Torah. Um, it's, this itself is a strange Gomorrah. Usually you don't have an argument about a halacha Moshe Misinai or a, or a Gomorrah. Usually it's one way or the other. I mean, it's, uh, and if it's halacha Moshe Misinai, then uh, they, they had certain people who knew these halachas Moshe Misinai. So, but at any rate, we would rather have it written somewhere. Even if it's halacha Moshe Misinai, 
we would rather see a source for it. That, that would be, of course, better if there's somewhere in the written law that it hints to it. Okay, but the Gemara is going to uh, discuss that a little bit. So, he said it's specific to Nazar that you can reuse these funds. That's why it's specifically if they weren't designated. Mefushim, lo. Uh, at the end of the day, when it's halacha Moshe Messina, that's the one area that we don't question. You know, people learn Torah, any questions are accepted. Any, any, anything is possible. How do you know you're right? Maybe I'm right. We all, Torah is it's inside all of us. We all have a right to know and understand. But halacha Moshe Messina, it is what it is. So that's why there's a difference between designated and undesignated. But according to Reish Lakish, that learns it out from a verse, that it's almost like Hashem wanted you to be able to recycle these funds. So how do you know it's only undesignated funds? This Pasuk that Reish Lakish quoted is very nebulous. It just talks about, oh, whatever you vowed, just give it away. Whatever you, you know, if you set aside money for your commitments, um, this word is commonly used of people would often bring Thanksgiving offerings when they were thankful they had a good year. Um, uh, they would donate, and then if there would be leftover funds, so you put it in the pushka, so other people can, you know, would keep the, as we said, when the Mizbeach was empty. So, but the Pusik just says, all, any vows and any donations you can give. So, my ear yistumim, like Reish Lakish, how, why is it that it's only undesignated? Uh, if the concept is that Hashem wants you to recycle, why even if you were very specific, why, how would he know that? So Rabbi Yochum doesn't have to answer any questions. It's halacha Moshe Messina. It is what it is. That's what, that was the halacha, only uh, undesignated. But according to Rabbi Lakish and the verse that he brought, how did he know that uh, it only was undesignated, even Meforish, even designated? So Amarava. So Rava gives an answer. He said, He says, that's, we know that from a different place. We know that from a different source that once you designated it, you're stuck. How do you know that? He says, It's already been like uh, made clear. The word posuk is it's been, been made clear. It's been, we had a psach halacha. And so now we'll get into that drasha that shows us. Um, this is a Gemara like other Gemaras where once we quote something, we finish the whole quote, and then we get to the part that we want to use as a proof. But we're going to try to show that cer- certain things can't be recycled. The leftovers can't be recycled. Um, there's sometimes, um, there is an idea that you don't, um, you know, leftovers aren't used for offerings. You know, it's not, it's not the same thing. It's a, uh, you know, you have a similar tension, you know, when Thanksgiving is Thursday night. You, you want people want to use the leftovers for Shabbos, and you know it's not nice to use leftovers for Shabbos. It's just not uh, certain things that you don't use. They're not meant to be. If the whole idea is to is to connect to bring a gift to God, you don't bring him leftovers. Uh, so, but at any rate, there are certain rules about these leftover funds when they can be used and when not. And now we'll take a look at them. Tani Rabbi We learned in the Academy of Shmuel. These are the offerings that your vows. What are we talking about? Bevlade kachim. Now, when you have female off, uh, animals, you run into problems, <laughs> uh, interesting problems, uh, and that is that you set aside uh, an animal to bring, 
um, and sometimes you did it months ahead of time, what if the animal has a baby? So what do you do? And, and the Beis HaMikdash had all these female offerings as well. What if they have babies? So what's the status of the baby? The baby was uh, like part of the mother, but it's only you, you're already bringing the offering that you required when you bring the mother. What do you do with the babies? So that's called Vlad Kachim, children of holy animals. So uh, uh, that's one category of, of holy animals that we're not yet sure what we do with. And there's another category, substitutes. It's Murasim. Sometimes people make substitutes. Um, Timura is a subject uh, to, uh, in of itself, and they weren't really supposed to do that, but sometimes uh, people would make a substitute. So you're not supposed to offer the substitute. So what's the, what do you do with the children, uh, the, the baby offerings, and what do you do with the Timuras, the substitutes? Hakasa Dabr. that's what the Pasuk is speaking. Mataknasam, what do you do with them? You can't bring them, you can't fulfill your obligation, but they're already holy. And you can't leave holy things lying around. That's a minefield. If, if it's holy and someone comes to use it and milks it or works it, they're in big trouble. So what is the takana? What, what's the fix? So, tisa ubasa alamakam asher yifkar Hashem. So it says that you carry and bring them up to the Beis HaMikdash. So it doesn't exactly say what do you do with them in the Beis HaMikdash. In other words, these are, these should be brought up, bring them, bring them with you. When you bring your real offerings, you'll bring the baby there. You bring the substitute there. So what exactly happens to them when you, you're not required to bring them. They don't fit in any special category. So it says, Yoko Yal on the Beis HaBechira. I would think that you take them up to the Beis HaMikdash, and you don't feed them because they belong to God. And uh, there's no food, you don't give them food or water, and you just let them die. And I would have thought that, uh, they, that that process could be done in the Beis HaMikdash. No, you don't bring them up to the Beis HaMikdash to, to throw them away. You bring them up to the Beis HaMikdash to be brought. The way in which the original would be brought, you do with the substitute. The way in which you would have brought the shlamim to noig bevaladehem. So most of the offerings, if they have a baby or they have a substitute, you can bring it. Um, you know, when you bring an offering, especially if you have a commitment, it's like you get the credit or you do something with it. I don't know exactly what happens spiritually when your offering had a baby, you know, and you bring it. So what exactly does that do? So what does it do for you? Um, but we hope to discover that one day. What, what happens when, the, what's the feeling when you're, um, you know, your offering has a baby and you bring it? So does it, is it like your stock has, your stock splits, you know, and you get extra credit? Like what, what exactly, what does it do? What's the symbolism of that? What prayers do you say? That I don't know. But most of the offerings... You just bring the, the leftovers, you bring the extras. So once we have that, well, if you do that with all those multiple categories of offerings, so if your sin offering has a baby, or your guilt offering, I would say, same thing. No. Uh, as we've said before, uh, these offerings are not recyclable. These offerings, there's no bonuses. 
these are sin offerings. Don't enjoy them too much. You know, it's a, uh, there's a big, you know, sin. There's a, we get close to Hashem after the sin and then we make up. But uh, there's a special, you know, you can't recycle these, these leftovers or these, these. This is a sin. This is serious business. It says, Ra, Rebbe Kiva says, I don't need that part of the Pasuk Arama. Ashem. Ashemu Bahavaya Yehe. It says, um, it uses a word by an offering that uh, you can only bring something as a sin offering if it's an original. You can't bring these other things, uh, the babies or the, uh, the substitutes. It has to be in pristine condition. It's very specific how to remove a sin or what to do. So they both agree conceptually that these offerings are not recycled. The question is, which, where do you know it from? Um, it says, Asham Huvasehe. Okay, so uh, now that's the end of the uh, quote that we brought over there. So again, we're, we're quoting a longer teaching, Viketani, and now we get to the part that we're interested in. We learned over there, Yocho Ya'alam, the Bezabakir of Yimnemehem, Mayimu Mazan, Bishriushimusu, I would have thought you'd bring them up to the Bezamigdash. Um, it's interesting the word used. Uh, we love this discussion, why they sometimes picked a word. But one of the names of the Beis HaMikdash is called the Beis HaBechira, the chosen place, uh, where the chosen people, you got the chosen... Um, I, again, I, don't, I, I haven't researched that term too much. Usually we call it the Beis HaMikdash, the, uh, the, the holy place. Here it's called the Beis HaBechira, the chosen place. But at any rate, I would have thought... Um, there's the idea that there's a specific place that you got to bring them to, the base of here. Okay. So I would have thought, So again, we quoted this earlier, and we quoted the longer exposition over there. Now we're getting to the part that interests us. So one of the things we learned is we said, I would have thought you'd bring them up and kill them over there. Amai, v'havlad chatesu, v'gemiri amisa. We said... Um, that you don't kill them, but uh, I would have thought you do, but the Pasuk teaches us, no, you bring them up and you can bring them as offerings. So why is it that you can do that? Havlad chatusu. Aren't some of those offerings a chatusu? Gimiri bo misa. So um, we, have, we know that you can't recycle them. So uh, what is it saying? Um, what do we, uh, why were we thinking over there that you could offer it? Didn't we already know that you can't do anything with it? So the Gemara answers, Ilavkra. You're right. I knew that you couldn't offer it. But if I didn't have the Pusik, Havamina, I would have thought, Vlad Khatos Makam. I would have thought um, that uh, the, when you don't, when you let it die, that if it has a baby, you let it die. You don't have to schlep the baby up to the base of Migdash to let it die as we turn the page. Uh, but Vlade Kachim, uh, but other offerings, those are killed in the Beis Amigdosh. Kamash Malon Delo, that no, those are not killed, those are recycled. Okay, fine. Um, that's the, um, again, we still haven't gotten to the part, we're just explaining, so far we're explaining the teaching that we jumped into about what they were thinking uh, what, what did they mean? You know, do you kill it in place? Do you kill it in the base of Migdosh? Is it addressing uh, the all offerings or specifically the sin offering? Um, 
Katani, uh, we're on line number two. I would have thought Yochel Aflad Chatos Tmuras Hashem came. Um, so uh, this is the reason that we brought this, to ask a question on the rule that we just quoted earlier. So we learned over there that I would have thought um, that this Pasuk that tells you that you re- recycle, I would have thought applies even to the uh, baby of a sin offering or Tmuras Hashem or even the, uh, the substitute. Tamaloma Rak. Didn't we already tell you that you can't recycle any of these? So why is it saying over there, if we just said that it's a, it's a very, one of these halachas you can't ask questions on, and it's very clear. So over there it sounded like we thought that you could recycle them. So what, why is that? Don't we have halacha Moshe Misinai? So the Morris said, Hachanami. You're right, we knew that. Uh, so... Um, if that's true, what does it mean that we need a pasuk to tell you that you can't recycle them? The uh, well, chatos we knew, ashem that we weren't so sure. So the Mara says ashem nami hilchasagemirilo. But um, so uh, this it gets a little interesting. It's it's a little bit nuanced. In, in the English will never get there. There's a difference between a chatos and an ashem. We one they're both sin offerings. But one sin offering, uh, there is no recourse. You're stuck, the chatos. Whereas the ashem, uh, it's not as rigid. There is, uh, there is wiggle room, as we're going to see. There is, there is a way to recycle it. So, uh, again, it's an interesting study. Why certain sins, uh, there's more flexibility, and other sins, they're not. Um, but uh, the... Uh, um, uh, the Gemara now is saying, we had a question, we thought it was a halacha machines, you can't do anything with it, and it looked like from the Gemara over there that you could do. So they were answering that, no, we're not talking about the chatos over there, we're talking about the ashim. And um, the ashim is a little more flexible. Well, let's see what's the flexibility about the ashim. What's the halacha by the ashim? We said, in the chatos, kosh ilu b'chatos mesa. If it was a sin offering, it'd have to die, but ashim ra. The ashem gets to go into pasture. Um, the ashem, you can't just recycle it as it is. You put it out to pasture, you let it get a blemish, and then you can use the funds for something else. Uh, it, it's almost like it, it has to be, as long as it's fit to be offered, you can't undesignate it. But once it gets a blemish, then you could. So that's also part of the halacha Moshe Misinai. So... Uh, now we're back to our question then, what is, we said that verse is talking about the Ashim, that's, that, that, that verse also is one of the teachings of the Halacha Moshe Misinai. So the Gemara answers, if it's only a Halacha Moshe Misinai, I would have thought, when things are Halacha Moshe Misinai, they're just rules. What if you didn't know the rule? You brought it, or by mistake, it got brought. Okay, you shouldn't have done that. But there's no uh, below club. Nothing happens. Kamash kra. No, it's a pusik. And when the Torah tells you something, uh, there are certain rules. Uh, your tefillin is supposed to be black. What happens if it's not black? Those are rules. It's Allah Moshe Misinai. The mezuzah is meant to be this way. What if it's not that way? So those uh, unwritten rules that are called Alacha Moshe Misinai, there's no clear consequences. But if it's a Pasuk in the Torah, there are clear consequences. So why was the Gemara struggling to find a Pasuk if we knew anyways what the rule was? 
And the Gemara's answer was to know that uh, if we manage to find a Pusik, then we'll know the consequences. So uh, there are consequences. The consequence here is that a person will be hit with an assay. He will have, he will have lost the mitzvah. So it's interesting. Here a person is a, a do-gooder. He doesn't want to see the animal die, and he's bringing it, and he's actually violated a rule. <laughs> he gets it. The assay was to dispose of it. You know, don't be smarter than God. God said, get rid of it. You know, let it die. And instead, he tried to recycle it and thought that was the greatest thing. When Hashem says, don't use it, you throw it away. You know, that's the, uh, that's the he's koi say. Okay, fine. Now we're moving, uh, moving on. Again, we're going into the intricacies of the recycling of babies that are born to sin offerings or sin offerings, that, or substitute for sin offerings, and the difference between the two categories, is it halacha Moshe Misinai, or is it learned from a uh, Pasuk? And um, uh, that's what we're uh, just, uh, again, we stumbled onto it because of our uh, question about Naziris, and one that the woman donated, and one of them was this uh, chatus, uh, Ashem. So, I'm sorry, then we, we also quoted Rebbe Kiva. He said it's not needed because it's the Ashem, the Torah is very specific that you can't bring substitute ashams, you can't bring, just like you can't donate a sin offering. You can donate a thanksgiving offering, you can donate a peace offering, you can't donate a sin offering. And so we would know that the, only the pristine ashim can be brought. Ashim bavasiyeh. So now the Gemara has a question on Rebbe Akiva, Lamli Kra Gemara Gemirila. But isn't that part of the famous teaching, Kol Shebechatos Mesa, Anything that were a sin offering would have to be killed by Ashim Raya, that by the Ashim it goes to pasture. So what is Revi Kiva saying we need a Pasuk for that? So Umara answers, Hachanami. You're right, uh, Revi Kiva doesn't need that. What does he need it for? We use the verse to tell you a different halacha. Rav for the teaching of Rav, the Amr of Huna Amar Rav, Ashim Let's say a guilt offering had been put out to pasture. And you were waiting to recycle it. And a person didn't bring it as a guilt offering, he brought it as a burnt offering. Kasher, it's good. Uh, so even though you were in the process of recycling it, you were waiting for it to get a blemish. If it's brought as an ola, it's good. So time a denitic. The reason why is because you, apparently, when you put it in the pasture, that's like uh, starts the, the recycle process. But if you hadn't yet done that, hello, nitiklo. Had you not done that, it would be no good. So uh, right now, um, it, uh, we're just going into the nuance of the Ashim offering. The Ashim, again, is different. The Chatos, uh, uh, you just got to kill it. It's total waste. Uh, nothing can be done. The Ashim, we said, could be put to pasture. And so now we're learning about, even though it's also a sin offering, Again, there's certain, apparently, certain sins that are more flexible than others. Um, it's interesting. Um, we, I, I, don't, I said this for it last week, that quoted on Yisro, why in the beginning of Yisro it mentions that he was a priest of Midian. So some of the Mephorshim say, uh, usually you don't insult a person and say, I remember you, you're the guy who was the convict. You were the guy that, that, that did X, Y, Z. That's a specific love that you're never supposed to... Uh, remind people of their jaded past. It's, it's, uh, um, so why does the Torah introduce Yisro and say, oh, here comes Yisro, he's the Midianite priest. So one of the answers given, 
of uh, seven. I mean, later on, we just say he's Moshe's father-in-law. Why would the Torah, who wants to talk about how wonderful it was that he came to learn and other people didn't come, why do we got to mention he's the, he's the guy that worshipped the idols? <clears throat> so some people say it is a compliment that he was a very dedicated person to Hashem because he had sinned before and come to the truth. There are other people that serve Hashem and they're not so sure. They think maybe there's other truths or they're, uh, they're ho-hum about it because they don't realize what they got. They don't realize how special and how unique. And so there is an idea that sometimes a sin can lead you to a greater place now. There are other sins that don't lead you to a greater place now. We're ashamed of those things and we hope Hashem forgives us. <laughs> but there are some sins that we can actually grow from. Uh, exactly which ones are, are which, I'll leave that up to Hashem or up to us. But it's a, uh, uh, but there's this idea of the chatos and the ashem that they're nuanced. That the ashem, there is a recycle process. There is a process that you can actually grow. Uh, uh, you can't continue to sin in that way. But it could be that, that what you went through or what a person did actually leads them to a, a better spot now. But I'm, I'm just giving that analogy here. Uh, there is this difference. And, uh, but the Yashem can only be brought in its pristine quality. And we would know that once it's uh, in the recycle process, once it's out to pasture, that's a different, uh, that's a different creature. And then it could be brought. Oh, um, Omar Mart, so we said uh, before, Halachi Hibanazar. Now we're finally getting back to today's subject. Um, you talk about getting off topic, right? That's the, uh, I, I warned you. So, um, but that's what happened today is we got into the nuance of the recycling of the chatos and the asham, whether it's halacha Moshe Misinai or it's a pasuk. Um, and, uh, but we get back to this thing that we said that by Nazar, you can recycle the funds, the sulaka. Uh, is this the only fund that you can recycle? What about other bird funds? So the other part about Nazar is that, that the Nazar funds are for bird offerings. And birds are also different than animal offerings. Uh, it, it's also very, very nuanced. We're going to stop here. Uh, again, I, I always am humbled because I feel like we know so little about Corbanos. <laughs> we lump them all together. Bird offerings, animal offerings, sin offerings, guilt offerings, and it's a whole world. And it's very nuanced and very specific. And you have to know exactly how to do it and what to do and where we know it from. Uh, and uh, so we try to get a flavor of it. But uh, that's what we jumped into because this woman had dedicated these funds and included in them was the sin offering funds. Have a great day, a great Shabbos, everyone. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Shabbos. Yeah.